All right, let's do this. Peanut, if you're staying in the room, no talking. Welcome to the PhotoWork Podcast, the talky and touchy-feely version of my book, PhotoWork, 40 Photographers on Process and Practice. Hello, everyone. I'm Sasha Wolf, recording today on the Upper West Side at the home base. And I'm not sure why I said it that way. It sounded very <laughs> strange. <And laughs> Mothership? <laughs> I don't, yeah, like, who cares? Anyway, whatever. So we've already heard him. He's made his presence known. Joining me, as always, my friend and producer, the Sundance Kid of New Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what that means. I mean, I'm not really Butch Cassidy, although a lot of jokes could be made there. Um, Michael Chauvin Dalton. Hello, Michael. Hello. Hi there. How are you? I'm doing all right. Living life? Yeah. Uh, Winding down the semester, living uh, life, and, uh, you know, that's it. (laughs) All right. I don't don't have more. (laughs) That's okay. You're not required to have some major announcement every time we record. I've started to, uh, you know, see more people and do more things. So, oh, Oh, you know what? As a matter of fact, I went to the International Center of Photography, ICP, the other day with Mr. Paul Graham, um, who curated the show that's up but still it turns that one of my artists, Christine Potter, is in. She's one of nine artists in this fantastic group show Hmm. um, down there that Paul curated. So I got a nice um, tour from, from him, from the curator himself which was super fun. The show is great. I I cannot recommend the show um, strongly enough. It's fantastic. Obviously, I'm in the tank for the show. One of my artists is in it. A <laughs> bunch of my friends um, are in the show, and it's the type of work I love. But I don't know. I had a fantastic time. So I really, well, really, great. really urge people to... You probably have to make an appointment. I got that nice uh, treatment where I just showed up and was with Paul, but it is just, it's great. And the Essex street, the new Essex street market is open right across the street. And that's a lot Mm. of fun. Yeah. That's a good location. (laughs) It is. It's a great location. It's for people who aren't in the city. It's the lower East side in Manhattan. And it's a really, obviously really fun neighborhood. And there was this old market called the Essex Street Market. And they built a brand new- Which was also fantastic fantastic. in its day. Yeah. Yeah. But the new home they built for it is really wonderful. And they kept all the same vendors. And they, so, you know, they kept the sort of old time vendors and then they added new vendors. Anyway, it's, it's really lovely. It was a great experience being at ICP, great experience going to the Essex Market. Actually, my gallery was right across uh, about two That's blocks right. away. And so I used yeah. to go to Essex Market all the time to pick up my coffee beans. So I went in, <laughs> I got my coffee beans. Anyway, it was fantastic. What more could I want? Coffee beans and great photography. It's perfect. So nice. um, yeah. so that's my recommendation. Yeah, you know, you did you did make me think of something. Uh, uh, you said you, you've been seeing more people and then you got out to the show. You know, I, I've been volunteering at this vaccine center. I'm sure yes. we've mentioned before. The last time I did it, last Friday, I have to say, over 200 people did not show up for their second dose. Oh, and no. it made me very nervous that people are not, you know, thinking it's that important or they're nervous about it because the news of, you know, blood yeah. clotting, things like that. And, you know, if we all want to get back out there and see more shows, uh, we got to all show up for that second dose, too. Well, I have to be honest. I have a little bit. I don't think... I'm not at all by nature a pessimist, mm-hmm. but, and I don't even think, I don't feel pessimistic about this. I feel like my usual lane of the realist that I am. But I do think there's a chance that because so many people in the United States are choosing not to be vaccinated, that mm-hmm. we may have some issues. And so let's just say if there was another lockdown in six months uh. or a year, I would not be shocked. So, I'm getting it. I'm getting stuff in. I'm planning a couple of 
trips. I'm mm-hmm. I'm just not putting stuff off now that I really want to do, especially when it involves seeing people that I love that I haven't yes. seen for a while. Because yes. I think we're in a precarious place, and it's great to celebrate right now. And anyone who's been vaccinated and is feeling, you know, that sense of freedom, it is it, it's wonderful. Full stop. But, yeah, which, um, <laughs> you know, there's like a, a look. Are you vaccinated? Yeah. Are you yeah, vaccinated? Yeah. yeah. It's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so the guest this week was the um, great photographer, uh, Janet Delaney. I was just thrilled to get Janet on the podcast. I've mm-hmm. been a fan of hers for a really long time. So we got to know each other a little bit before we recorded just by talking on the phone and yeah, I I just love talking with her. What what did you think? Yeah, this was a, a really nice conversation. Janet has a, a really uh, nice and confident way of speaking, which you know made this. Uh, I don't I don't know if this makes sense, but kind of like uh, it, it made it seem much quicker, like uh, an easy listen, and it, everything was just uh, nicely stated, concise. Yeah, I think does, people does that have certain. Yeah, I think people have yeah. certain cadences and certain. I also think that people who teach a lot often have yes yes because i think it's funny they're both in san francisco but uh, janet's in berkeley but like todd heido also was like Mm -hmm. this just really sure of what he wanted to say and i thought that episode also goes you know went by goes by really quickly so no disrespect to anyone who speaks a little bit more slowly but um yeah there's for sure a sort of way that teachers have of communicating i think (laughs) Yeah, I think I respond to that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, and, and there's a you have a really good conversation with Janet about mentors and women mentors. When Janet went to undergraduate, there was a, a more traditional white male, um, you know, uh, influence. And yeah, it was in the 70s, just to exactly. be clear. Yes. Right? <laughs> in the 1970s. Yeah. And, you know, finding... Finding mentors that Janet really could identify with was not so easy, and, no. and you have a great conversation about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I just really want to urge people, Janet and I talk a lot about specific bodies of work, which as listeners of the show know, I don't always do. I don't always get into specific bodies of work. Sometimes I, or often, I think I talk more generally about making work, but because we do, I really, really, really urge people to you know, stop listening now and go look up Janet Delaney, JanetDelaney.com. And we talked the most about two bodies of work, a body of work called South of Market, mm-hmm. which is an area in San Francisco that she photographed from 1978 to 1986. It's the work Janet is most known for. There's a book of the work. And anyway, she's exploring this area in San Francisco just as it begins to change and gentrify. And then she goes back to the same area. She went back about 10 years ago and photographed it again as it's been completely transformed because it's been overtaken by uh, tech companies. So it's where all the big tech headquarters are in San Francisco. And she, she refers to it as Soma Now, South of Market Now. We also talk about a body of work called Public Matters, which she did in the Mission District in San Francisco, and a body of work of Manhattan, which is going to be a book, as is Soma Now. She's working on a lot of book projects. But anyway, I just urge people to please familiarize themselves with Janet's work. It is so fantastic, and um, I, I think people will... We'll really enjoy it, and it'll really add a lot to to the listen. So yes, absolutely, and I think it's clear from looking at Janet's work and going back to the idea that there were a few women mentors available. That uh, I think more people should know her work. I think yeah, Janet's work was is not as well known from that the early work uh, because of what the world of photography was at the time. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, you know, obviously there's, it's sort of hard to quantify how many people know of someone. And yes, right. um, for me, it's a little confusing because I've known about Janet for a long time and I've been a really big fan of her work for a long time. I'm not sure how I was first introduced to it. And I know a lot of people who do know who Janet Delaney is. But yes, I agree. I think that Janet would be 
even more well-known if she was making the type of work that she makes now. Mm -hmm. I think that in the 70s and 80s, it was very difficult to be a, a woman photographer. And there also, there weren't that many outlets. There weren't Right. You have that of, conversation about books and galleries and right. Yeah. yeah. So it was a tricky time, but everyone should know Janet. So... Um, yeah. Anyway, well, why don't we've we've babbled on for quite a while. So why <laughs> why don't we get to it? Michael, if you don't mind, please take it away. My pleasure. And here is your conversation with Janet Delaney. Janet Delaney, welcome to the Photo Work podcast. And it's just, it's fantastic to have you on the podcast because I've been a big fan of your work for a really long time, but I'd, I've never met you. I don't think we've met. We we started talking when I reached out to ask you if you would do this, and then I've been lucky enough to get to, to rap with you a few times. So it's, again, this is my formula for making friends, basically. <laughs> it's a good one. Give it, It's a good one. And uh we really kind of got right into it the minute we met. Yes. Um, you know, I had the advantage of not only feeling like I know you through your work, but, you know, I've read, you know, interviews with you and, and, and stuff. So I definitely felt like, you know, I knew what your politics was and what a big part of your life politics play and very similar to the way I was raised and whatnot. Um, anyway, so as People know I start every show by asking my guests to just give a little background info on their journey. So if you could just share with us about where you're from and how you got to where you are now. Okay. Well, I was born and raised in Compton in Southern California. I uh, ended up in my final year of uh, high school, in a, uh, actually quite a large high school in Long Beach, uh, and that's where I took my first photo class. And I kind of looking back on it, I think that was very pivotal because I was really lost. I was a bit of a loner through all of all of this. And I just um, latched on to the camera as a reason to be, you know, out on my own. I always sort of had this um, point of reference of the observer, I guess. So from there, I migrated north to San Francisco, like everybody did in my age group. And then that was like 1971. It was a big, huge influx of people into the uh, age of Aquarius and the summer love influ influences. I went to San Francisco State and studied photography and graduated and you know, bounced about. I, I went to bartending school like artists do in order to try to support my habit. Um, I went to bartending school. That hasn't come <laughs> up in any conversation we've had yet. See, okay, I knew we well, were on the same page. I had oh, my God. <laughs> I had never actually been in a bar to speak of. It was uh, totally like, well, I figured I could work in the dark room. I could certainly mix drinks, you know. Um, that is hilarious. <laughs> I went to bartending school within one week of graduating college. Mm. Um, it was a smart thing to do because I got a job right away. But anyway, sorry, go no, on. No, that's it, all right. Oh, yeah, to all, um, to all students getting ready to graduate, think about, think about going to bartending school. Well, it um, could be a growth industry now. That's our <laughs> Janet Delaney and Sasha Wolf's wisdom for the day. Okay, right. sorry. Go well, on. at any rate, I, I you know I, I I did use that money that I earned from I got a union bartending job, and wow. I ended up uh, traveling through Central America. I you know I wanted to get out of the states, and um, the only way I could afford was on a bus. So. I took a bus all through Central America for about a six-month journey. I was also really motivated to learn another language, and Spanish seemed like a really um, practical way to go. So I, immer I did like a total immersion in Spanish and uh, traveled and got really actually very fluent at that moment in time. It's kind of dissipated some. Came back, <laughs> and uh, I went to the Art Institute, San Francisco Art Institute, where I got my MFA. And when I came back from Central America to San Francisco, I moved into the South of Market District, which was the warehouse district. It was sort of a Soho wannabe for the era. 
Um, And it was a, you know, really intense and experience in the sense that it was uh, an area that was being impacted by, you know, this uh, big, huge construction site that was just a few blocks from me. So I started doing very uh, kind of graphic work in the construction site, you know, looking for meaning and rebar. And uh, I would kind of <laughs> sneak in. That's on... the name of your memoir. <laughs> there be. you go. You well, just it was titled definitely... your memoir. <laughs> it was the beginning of, uh, you know, I had a lot of uh, training in formalism and minimalism. Um, you know, there were very strict concepts about what was worthy of being photographed in my education. I had to really um, work through that. So I was uh, engaged in this project during grad school, and then I kept working on it, uh, South of Market, and moved out of South of Market because it got too expensive, and that whole gentrification issue was a big part of it, and I moved to the Mission, and uh, which was a few miles away, and mostly a Latin quarter, so to speak, and I was uh, very involved in Nicaraguan political issues. So I went back to Central America and did some work with Oxfam and worked really closely with one family in Managua and did a big project there. Then through all that, I, you know, I think it was really a pivotal part, but I actually, you know, had a moment where I said, hmm, well, time to get married and have kids. It was just, I was compelled to do it. And I realized I needed to get outside of the art world in order to make that happen. Um, it was strategic, I think, in some ways. So <laughs> I, you know, I met a, a wonderful person who had a truck and, uh, and a job. And, you know, we've uh, been together ever since. But in that process, I also, you know, sort of transitioned from being uh, photographing in the war zone to being housebound because uh, we got married and I had children really quickly. So I you know, started working on a very interior, poetic, kind of abstract project and uh, continued with that and then went back to my roots of being kind of in the wilderness, did another project between Chaos and Grace. And that project took me to China, which was unusual. Uh, But when I was in Beijing, I kind of had an epiphany about the necessity of photographing contemporary urban scenes and I was also photographing in New Delhi at that time and came back to San Francisco and started again uh, on this project in the South of Market because I realized that uh, South of Market had become Soma and now it was uh, the tech center of so many big corporations, uh, Facebook and LinkedIn and, you know, Instagram or Pinterest or uh, Dropbox or, you know, any company that was a startup uh, from minuscule to massive uh, had headquarters or offices in San Francisco by the mid-2010, 12, 2015. So I started photographing uh, to see how the city had changed because I had this amazing knowledge of the place from having done that more extensive project in the 30s. I... uh, Definitely found my way through um, this new way of being. And, you know, the being a photographer in that context allowed me to really study sort of where we are now. I mean, I'm not a part of it. Uh, I'm not a part of the tech industry. So I was really an observer, again, um, just educating myself by being on the streets and being in the companies and and the like. So that kind of takes you up to the present time. And in between there, you taught, you were a professor. Right, I did. In fact, uh, you know, I moved from bartending to teaching. Uh, there's, yeah. You know, <laughs> definitely <laughs> there's some correlations to being on stage. And uh, I loved teaching. I mean, it was my calling, absolutely. So I taught and at... And you taught at UC Berkeley. Right. I taught at UC Berkeley for uh, the majority of my years and also at the Art Institute and the grad program a little bit at the end. And... It was great. I mean, I did some freelance work, editorial work. I really had a no job too big, too small at the beginning of my career. And mm-hmm. uh, and it really helped because I had a lot of knowledge about a lot of different technologies. And I also was a color printer for many years. At the beginning, I worked in um, a very kind of high-end photo lab called Frog Prints, which is, you know, 
an odd name, but they all are. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we did work for artists and uh, ad agencies. So I was able to really perfect the skills of printing, printmaking. I love printmaking and I still make all my own prints. So I'm, I always was raised with the idea that a photograph is realized through the conception, the execution and the presentation, you know, that each of those parts, including editing, sequencing, all of that are integral to what you want to say. So you said something interesting, you sort of um, went through it very uh, quickly, but you mentioned, you know, the way formalism and modernism and, and what you were sort of taught at SFAI in grad school. Can you can you talk more about that? That I'm really curious, like, who were your professors? And what, like, who were you looking at? And what type of pictures were you supposed to be? Or did you feel like you were supposed to be? Well, I would, I would say this is more an as undergraduate program, because, um, you know, I was studying with people who were like, you know, one degree removed from Ansel Adams. And, Mm -hmm, you know, F64 group was, you know, Edward Weston was sort of the Holy Grail. And, and you were supposed to take pictures that sort of transcended. And I wasn't, ever really sure, you know, why one did and one didn't. But, you know, the mostly, to be honest, the white men that taught me had some feeling about when they worked and when they didn't work. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I was supposed to figure it out. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, I kind of snuck off to a documentary filmmaking class when no one was looking. But, you know, there was a very strong movement. Well, Louis Baltz was, you know, quite uh, a big presence in all of this. And there was a a kind of holy grail of the black and white silver gelatin print that one needed to produce. So, you know, the rigorous um, technical approach was really held up high. And, you mm-hmm. know, my break of four years and my travel to Central America really gave me a whole nother perspective and educated me in a lot of ways. And the Art Institute was always very different than San Francisco State. They were, they were across town. You'd think they were across the world from one another conceptually and how they executed things. While we were over there with our view cameras, they were trying to get more grain in their 35 millimeter pictures in the 70s, mm-hmm. you know. So, but when I showed up to the Art Institute, I was studying with Larry Sultan and, uh, Reagan Louie and Linda Connor. Mm-hmm. And it was much more open-ended. I, I was really already getting quickly immersed in my South of Market work. And, and there was a really strong political group of us that were thinking about the writings of Alan Sekula and Martha Rosler and, you know, Walter Benjamin, and just looking at photographic work you know, in a more nuanced way or, you know, thinking about language in photography, communication, that you might be able to use photography for social change. Uh, It was before Mm -hmm. we had these um, social practice programs. I might have fit well into a social practice program, but but I do love the medium. I love the tactile, visceral quality of a beautiful print, and I love the optics and the lens and the moment and the time. So I really, I make objects at the end of the day, but I want my objects to speak at a couple different levels, you know, sort of seduce people into thinking about things they might not notice. So let's let's go through sort of the evolution of your main bodies of work, because I think it's important to get to where you are today and some of the book projects that are circling around. So can you can you go through the sort of order of your main bodies of work? Well, I started off, I would say the the one best known, the first one that I did was South of Market. And that was pretty much 1978 to 86. Mm-hmm. As I was finishing up the South of Market work, I had moved to the mission. And that's where I worked on the images that became public matters. And I wasn't thinking I was making a particular project with public matters. With South of Market, I had a really clear intention of bringing focus on the issue of gentrification and who the neighborhood was and how they were going to be impacted by new construction. And I was, you know, quite clearly defining myself uh, as a, a narrator to that issue. The work in the mission was more of a just a relaxed, wow, I'm surrounded by this community. It's pretty active. I love being on the street. Not many people are photographing here. I'm just taking pictures 
because while I was very open-endedly enjoying my photographic San Francisco world, I was very diligently working on a project in Nicaragua uh, that was actually granted from the NEA funds to produce. And I was telling the story of one family in Nicaragua and how they had to deal with the U.S.-supported Contra War that was trying to overthrow the revolution that they were supporting. So I uh, was raising money with my photographs, and I was actually putting the work to function the way I had really hoped the South Market work would. At the time, uh, the South Market work just didn't have yet its full experience. It was just a work in a box. It had been shown a little bit, and I'd gotten some grants, but I hadn't seen it become the political work that I'd hoped so. This Nicaraguan project did allow me to have a much more activist position. I used the work to do lots of lectures in lots of different contexts. Then, you know, these other projects, which haven't not yet seen the light of day, but may, uh, you know, of the housebound and the Between Chaos and Grace uh, followed. But I have to take a, a detour here because I often work on multiple things. And while I was in in the Mission District photographing for public matters and in Nicaragua doing that other work, I was also going back and forth to New York City. And now I'm bringing that work from the 80s forward, and hopefully that will be published in the next year or so. I um, would go to New York City sort of uh, in this funny way where a friend of mine would call me up and say, there's a ticket for you, just show up to the last flight of the night and I was a courier. So I got these free tickets and I could fly into New York City and I would sort of just be spilled out into the warehouse district and uh, I'd bring my Rolleiflex, which was an easy travel camera and just start photographing. I had a friend I stayed with on Water Street and I, you know, just fell in love with being in a big busy city. I, I realized just the intensity was so intoxicating for me. And I just, you know, wandered the streets and photographed. And that work just went into a box and it did not do anything. I just was busy with other things. Like I said, I had children. I was working full time and taking care of my aging parents full time. And I, you know, had a lot of work, just kept piling up around me because I kept making pictures, but I couldn't get the work out into uh, the world, so to speak. So I'm doing that now. Yeah, I mean, you're, in, I, I know, incredibly busy now with all these projects and, and the Lower Manhattan Book Project, and then hopefully there'll be a book of the um, Soma Now, which is the South of Market Now, as an accompaniment and a, you know, brand new project. But, you know, it sort of works, obviously, with the original South of Market project. That book has is so long since uh, sold out, unfortunately. But, you know, there's so many things here that I think are really interesting, you know, not the least of which is just this way of working, that not everything has to happen all at once and that it's fine for things to sit and then, you know, reappear decades later. But I wonder if... You know, I, I recognize what you're saying, that you were really busy and, and it sounds like life was really fulfilling. But I, I wonder, um, I haven't asked you this when we've talked before, but do you think that some of that work would have come out sooner if there'd been a sort of better structures in place? I mean, I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, during that time, photography really wasn't the commodity it is now, um, wasn't, you know, as welcome a part of the greater art world as it is now. And so there weren't that many photo galleries. And so there weren't very many outlets. There also weren't that many women who could have been mentors to you back then. Is, is, could that have also been part of what sort of slowed things down? Well, I I was definitely trying to get the work out, and you're right. It was um, not as fluid as it is now with the advent of the Internet and the communications that we have. And also, books were really rare. You didn't get right. books printed uh, very yep. easily. They were quite expensive, and if you weren't one of the really big stars, you didn't really have a chance to get a book published. 
So um, the competition was significant. And, you know, maybe some of the work got some value over by sitting over time, you know, and it came yeah. out at the time it should come out. I know for the South of Market work, when I showed it at the museum here in San Francisco, I had an incredibly rewarding experience because people who saw the work felt so acknowledged by seeing themselves in a museum. And I think also they really, you know, were mesmerized by how different it was now compared to how it was then. So mm -hmm. there was some implicit value. But mentorship is probably the key thing of what you have said, because maybe I'm kind of um, too much of, uh, I don't know, I, the words defy me, but I didn't have a mentor. <laughs> Yeah, And I really wanted one. And I, you know, hardly had any women teaching me. And I didn't really know many women that had any capacity in the, you know, as in the commercial art world, for sure, to kind of guide me in. And, and I, you know, I, I have compensated for that probably overly. So I, I, anyone who calls, I'm like, oh, okay, let's see what we can do here. You know, <laughs> I think You're the it's Uber just mentor. so important. Yep. Well, I, I really feel committed to doing it. And I, yep. you know, I have a strong belief in it. And I think, you yeah, know, we all have to bring each other up. There's not many seats at the table if you're all looking for galleries and museum shows and book publishing. Um, you know, those are obviously held up as the, you know, bar. But I think there's so many mm -hmm. other ways that we can enjoy the medium. And so during that, you know, long period when I wasn't engaged in this, I was showing work in any way I could. And I was sharing it in unusual venues. And I was making books uh, by hand. Uh, every project I've done, I've made a, a maquette of some sort. Mm -hmm. uh, because that's kind of how I see my work. I had thought about filmmaking, but I realized again that I was such a loner that I really had to work independently. And but storytelling and books, you know, go hand in hand. So that was always a part of my medium. So one thing I wanted to ask you about is just how do you sort of, you know, I think of you as someone who's really a master of color, color palette, light, foreground, background, you know, your pictures are incredibly formal, I think, whether they're interior or exterior pictures. But you do have, you know, when you're shooting outdoors and you're using natural light, it's often really just, you know, you make such incredible use of it and often create really incredible depth in your pictures. And there's a lot of different, you know, layers there. And, you know, obviously, when you shoot indoors, especially with artificial light, you sort of lose some of that grandeur. But you know, in the new body of work, there's a lot of interior indoor pictures because it, it, it just is important for this project. But do you feel like as happy giving up some of the things you get when you're shooting out, outdoors? Or like, how, how do you, are you thinking like, oh, I know this may not be as sort of cinematic or it may not have that depth or as many layers, but obviously it's really important to the project. I mean, I know that's the answer, but I guess I'm just curious how you think about it. I mean, because you have such a gift for, you know, so I just, yeah, I just okay. wonder how you think about the balance of subject, you know, versus form. I think when I was, if we're talking about like the current work right now. Yeah, yeah. It's a question for me. It was a question of wanting to create a stage and to understand the the geography of Soma now to set the to put the setting into place of where these things were happening. But I didn't just want to be on the outside. I wanted to get inside because cities operate on so many different layers and levels. And to really know a place, to have images of what was going on inside seemed very essential. And I wanted to have images of people and have a sense of what their houses look like and what business looked like, and in particular, what work looks like now. Yeah, yeah, and, that's what I'm thinking. You know, uh, the thing is, work looks very different now. It isn't as seductive in a certain way because it isn't beautiful, you know, romantic factories. It's um, rooms full of computers. And right. it was really tricky to get into those spaces because they were quite private and um, you had to 
navigate through lawyers and get permissions. And so in the work environment, sometimes I had to, you know, really work with what I could get, but I didn't feel that it was a compromise because I oftentimes, while I was creating this document, would think, what would I want to see 50 or 100 years from now? You know, I want to see inside uh, where people lived and worked, as well as what the streets looked like. I mean, I really often think about my projects in historic uh, as a record for the future. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, from anything from thinking of it as a family album for, you know, San Franciscans, uh, as well as a point of reference for people anywhere that are doing any kind of deep dive into what cities look like. And so I, I would say I will prioritize the content over uh, creating just entirely, you know, seductive views. And it would be great to make every picture have perhaps that kind of uh, magic quality, but I didn't really think about it too much because it was for me more important the content and just to get a sense of energy and and connection with the people that I was photographing, no matter where they were. I mean, I actually like it this way. I mean, I you know what's funny is it it may have sounded that question may have sounded critical, but I actually don't think of it that way. So for me, I've been lucky enough to look at your. Uh, Maquette, a PDF of the Maquette for this project for Soma now because you you sent it to me, and I think that those pictures are really important both for content but also for form because I actually think it's it's hugely it, it's almost like pacing. I don't want everything to have that sort of exquisite light outside, or to have the grandeur of some of your exterior pictures. I actually need both those things. And, you know, personally, I want to just say, just full disclosure, that San Francisco is a city that is, you know, near to my heart. Um, It's my, you know, probably second favorite city, or it was. I mean, I, I, you know, one of my closest friends moved there right after college, and I used to go out there all the time. And she was in the mission. So, you know, I spent a lot of time in the mission at the end of the 80s and in, in the early to mid-90s and watched San Francisco change the way you photographed it. And so this is really connects with me. But having said that, I find this project, first of all, I love the original project, South of Market, and the new project, So Now, I find this works so unbelievably engaging. And I actually think it is perfectly well paced. But I always just wonder, you know, it's like, I just think you have such a gift for, you know, all of these types of photographs, but in a way, I always think it's sort of interesting when someone has to pull back a little bit from, you know, you don't want everything to be sort of over the top um, spectacular, and it wouldn't be appropriate for the project. I think that what I'm interested in is being able to utilize a lot of different strategies. That it isn't the camera, it isn't the strategy that interests me so much as it is the story, right? And the photograph that I'm able to make, the project as a whole. And I'll use whatever camera that I need to make the image that I want to have. So in the most recent work, I used the view camera and I used a Mamiya 7 and I used the 35 millimeter digital camera when that was my only choice because of logistics. So, you know, I feel that there's, um, for me, I prioritize it in a different way perhaps than uh, someone else who might feel that the main thing for them is, you know, the technology and, and some other transcendent moment that they're making, which I love that work too. But, you know, I'm a storyteller and that's really right. where I keep coming back, you know. No, that that's what I'm getting at and that's what I was sort of trying to, you know, arrive at, uh, The just that that being such a top priority for you and your work. And I, I think it's, you know, I love this, the way you use different cameras and you let the, because also when you were shooting in the mission, you were, and and as you said, when you were shooting the Lower Manhattan, when you did the Lower Manhattan project, 
you had your Roloflex, which you also used in the Mission Project in Public Matters, right? Right. Those pictures are very different. You're really like a street photographer when you did that work. Right. No, I really needed a um, break from the arduousness of using the view camera, which was the only thing I used uh, in South America. And also, I'd sort of run out of money. So it was uh, a compromise (laughs) to have the 120 120 film. Uh, It gave me a little more freedom. And yeah, a certain amount of looseness that was really much welcomed after having really had a, a super structured uh, earlier project. You know, it's it's just, I just think all this is really wonderful. And these are really great little tidbits of information, because not everyone feels comfortable switching up their cameras, you know, people get so sort of dependent. And so I think it's, it's, it's really important to sort of Um, talk about the fact that, you know, you can try, you know, different ways of working and let the, you know, sort of lead with what your intention is and then pick up the right camera to make that type of work. Yeah, well, I think also um, having worked commercially, uh, I had the necessity of learning all those things, as well as lighting. And, you know, I did light a few of the pictures, not many I don't think anything that, well, maybe a few that you saw, I would, you know, bring an assistant and bring lights, but I didn't tend to do that because I'm more of a, you know, I like to have the things unfold in a more organic way, but, you know, um, knowing your equipment, it's like being a musician, you know, you have to practice it, you have to use it all the time, Uh, you have to feel super confident with it. And so that it just disappears and it, and boy, with digital, you know, that seems to be, you know, obviously a lot easier than it was when Mm -hmm. I was shooting, um, you know, strictly like I shot slide film, uh, for jobs for a number of years and there's just no room for error on that, you know? Right. I mean, this is just a thing of no importance, but just saying it anyway, I, I so miss holding up slides to a window. <laughs> I I miss slideshows with beautiful Leica oh, slide, slide projectors yes. and Kodachrome slide slides. Shows. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, we've come a long way and it's fabulous. And as somebody who I made the decision to, you know, leave uh, certain things behind because, as I said, getting work out was more important than being too precious about it. Yeah. But yeah, I still, I went, I, my slide projector was stolen out of the, my car in front of my house and, and I went and bought another one, even though I don't think I've ever used it, <laughs> but I know it's there, you know, and <laughs> I used great. to yeah. be a whitewater rafter and, uh, you know, so I have all these incredible photographs from having gone through the Grand Canyon and through all the big rivers in, in the West and they're all slides, you know, and I always say, I'm yep. going to get out and I'm going to do a slideshow and, um, oh, you, you got to do at it at some point I will do it again. And, but it's interesting when I look back at work that I produced, um, well, I did a couple of projects as two projector slideshows with an audio program in them uh, that would advance with a beep, you know, in the audio. It would make the slides dissolve. And when I look back on them now, they're so slow, you know, compared to what we're accustomed to looking at. Yeah. So it's just the pacing of everything in our world has just, you know. Sped up. Phenomenally. I mean, you know, I... Okay, now we're just getting really nostalgic. But when I used to make films, I shot on film. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the amount of time it would take from the time you shot to the time you would see what you shot Mm -hmm. was even worse than just sending your still photographs filmed Mm -hmm. to a lab. I mean, it was really excruciating. And then you had to edit stuff together. Oh, my God. I know. I did audio. With tape. By the way, with tape. I I did that with audio. People don't realize that in the old days, you actually used tape when you edited things. When you edited tape, you taped it together. Yeah, Yeah, and you cut it and taped it. Yeah, I did. And um, you'd have, like, rolls of... You'd have, like, you were supposed to always put the film, like, up on these little hangers around you, like, near your Mm -hmm. editing Mm -hmm. table. I would wrap stuff, like, around my neck. I'd, like, have (laughs) stuff dragging on the floor. Yeah, it wasn't. It was such a mess. But anyway, but it was so fun. Oh, my God. I I used to love doing that. Um, So let me ask you, as we sort of wind down, you know, I think of... The San Francisco photo community as being, you know, 
second really only to New York. And in some ways, there's things about it that feel like not second to New York, like its own, just really amazing. I mean, the richness of the the history of photography in, in Northern California and San Francisco is just really incredible. Have you, we talked about sort of a lack of mentor, but have you or do you now, you know, have a community that you sort of use and as, you know, a loose critique group or people you, you know, there are just so many people out there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's, it's something that I had always wanted is, you know, shortly after grad school, you know, I was sort of casting about and, and a, a number of times I would like get together a small group, but you know, we didn't quite gel or what have you. But about four years ago, um, there was a, a, a coming together and I and Lucas Folia started a group out here and um, we meet in my studio in Berkeley and people come, well, Carolyn Drake from, and Andres Gonzalez from uh, Vallejo and people come from, you know, down by Stanford, Amy Elkin and uh, Jamil Hellu and Ward Long. So, and people from San Francisco and including filmmakers. And um, so we have, you know, we have a kind of a list of around 20 people and, and we would, you know, meet about every six or eight weeks in my studio and there would be like 10 of us or so at least or 15. Oh, that's awesome. And, but we kept it going uh, on Zoom and we've been meeting, you know, very crucially through all of the quarantine and uh, Mm -hmm. supporting each other phenomenally in terms of small critiques, you know, somebody will come over to my back garden and we'll just look at work or I'll go visit somebody outside at their house or, Mm -hmm. you know, now we're, you know, possibly everybody, a lot of people are teaching. And so a lot of people have been uh, vaccinated and we're just starting to think maybe we'll actually have a meeting again. But it has been probably one of the most valuable things that I have done as an artist is been to create this group. You know, Nelson Chang came out from New York and I think just to join us, but you know, under the guise <laughs> of, of teaching at CCA. So yeah, I mean, I've met some wonderful people and when people come through town, they, you know, sometimes just show up for a critique for just that day and, and bring their own work. Can and I show up and you just You could totally out? show up. And, okay. you know, we have had all kinds of different guests that just pop in and out and it has been indispensable, I think, for all of our sanity and also just problem solving and, you know, technical questions and, you know, questions about career and, and just you hear what about this statement? Does it make sense? You know, you send it out to a few people in the group that you trust, you know, you've built trust over all this time together. So I would I say- mean, I, I wanted to ask you about that, because as listeners of the show know, I, I'm, I think this is one of the most crucial elements of life as an artist. And so mm-hmm. I always mm-hmm. want to sort of drill it into people's heads. Um, yeah. You know, it can be sharing work and getting feedback on your work, but it can also be like wanting to pick the brain of someone who applied for and received a Guggenheim. You know, how did mm-hmm. that go? Mm-hmm. What did you right. need to do? You know, so exactly. you know, community no, people is have so met crucial. And, you know, uh, start like Mimi Plum has done two books. She has another one coming and a Love lot of, Mimi. you know, the yep. uh, motivations have, you know, been through people that she's met in the group. So oh, that's so fantastic. It's been, yep. uh, you know, really great. And also I would say that it doesn't have to be a big group. It, you know, it could be just no. a handful of people. And, Absolutely. and it just has to be people who you respect, whose opinion yep. means something to you. And yes. yeah, another really crucial thing in terms of my, you know, struggles to kind of keep going through many years of being pretty isolated and living a kind of parallel life of a mother and, uh, you know, having an entirely different group of friends, you know, I, I would go to things like uh, PhotoFest or um, Photo Lucida, mm-hmm. and it would yep. create a structure so that I would have a deadline. And um, yep. I always got something out of it. I, I don't know how they are working them now, but but at the time in the 90s, PhotoFest was pretty fun and, you know, it was pretty wild. Oh, no, they're still yeah. fun. I yeah. mean, I don't, let's just put aside the past year because that's mm-hmm. going to, this is just a hiccup and it'll be over soon. But as someone I do, at least... I would say on average, I do two portfolio reviews at photo festivals a year. Mm-hmm. I always yeah. do filter in Chicago and I'll be there again 
the end of September, assuming it happens in person, which I think it will. Um, I love Filter in Chicago, but I've done Photo Fest. I mean, I've done a million of them, mm-hmm. Atlanta, New Orleans. And I think they are absolutely fantastic for artists. You know, you don't have to be a kid to do it. You know, right. you just have no, to be. No, it's true. It, it, it's, yeah, that's the thing about photography that's so phenomenal is people can come in at any point in their lives as long as yes. they're, you know, authentic and serious and yep. uh, are committed. It's a very small yes. but intense community of people. And yes, yes, once absolutely. you, you know, if somebody else, you just kind of have an instant uh, camaraderie for the most part. Without a doubt. Yeah. Without it, a doubt. No, yeah. I, I love the photo community. Um, but I think it's really, really important that people know that you really get a lot out you can build community just from doing a certain mm-hmm. amount of portfolio mm-hmm. reviews a year, too. So if you're in a place, if you're not in a New York or a Chicago or a San Francisco, if you're in a more remote area, you can go to these things and start to build your community. Even if you're then meeting, you know, over the, you know, it would have been over Skype or whatever. Now it's mm-hmm. over Zoom. But, you know, but but building that community is, is so, so important. Well, I think... I think we could wrap up. I, I, you know, always feel like I can go on with someone I love talking to, but, um, <laughs> but feel like we've, we've hit a good point. So Janet, thank you so oh, much welcome. for hanging out. Yeah. I just, it was, it's really, I, I've known your work for so long and um, I, I've just, love it so much and you know getting to know you a little bit has just been phenomenal and I'm definitely showing up I think I'm going to plan my next trip to San Francisco based on your next uh critique group meeting (laughs) well I can pop in we'll we'll make sure that they coalesce (laughs) I know it'll be like filled with like people I just admire and really dig so like what fun um no it'll be good anyway take care be well and thanks again so much for for spending time with me Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. Okay, bye. Bye. Photo Work with Sasha Wolf is produced by me, Michael Chauvin Dalton of Real Photo Show. The executive producer is Sasha Wolf, and our theme music is by J. Walter Hawks. You can hear Photo Work on all your favorite podcast platforms. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, and be sure to subscribe on any one of those services or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you.